This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship scheduled for one fall or two curfew. From the Portland Sports Arena. Wrestling fans, Bob Cole and Johnny Weaver, welcome to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, the most exciting. 2 and 7, CFAC Calgary. Good afternoon, everyone. We're bringing you Matt Time action from the Victoria Pavilion in Calgary. Don't despair, never fear. The Stampede Wrestling Show is here. Hello again, everybody. It's me, Travis Voloshin. I'm here once again with Kelly Nelson. And we are continuing our look at the history of the Stampede Territory. Uh, we are going to go back to the 1970s. Uh, actually, before that, uh, Kelly's going to lead us up to uh, what is really going to be a spotlight on who is widely considered, uh, and from all accounts, yep. one of the, uh, the the greatest heels in the history of the, of the territory, mm-hmm. and that is Archie Stomper Goldie. Um, Kelly, uh, hello. Welcome back. Hello. Uh, first of all, uh, big thanks to all of the uh, good feedback we got on uh, Pro Wrestling Only yeah. board and uh, elsewhere. And from what I heard from, you know, friends and people just on the Twitterverse. Yeah. Oh, also uh, special thanks to Heath McCoy uh, listening uh, uh, to our first episode and giving us some good feedback. Um, yeah, that's uh, as we had mentioned earlier, the guy who who wrote the Pride and Passion: the History of Stampede Wrestling book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. I do have one uh, quote that I want to get to today. Uh, yes. After in the middle of uh, uh, us uh, talking about um, Archie's history, fantastic quote. Yep. Uh, uh, but yeah, why don't I hand it over to you, Kelly, and you uh, take it from uh, where it is you're going to take it from? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we put this show together in the last few months, and we've sort of been just kind of improvising on how we're doing this. And I think for this week, originally it was just kind of a vague idea of the 70s, and then it evolved into uh, Archie the Stomper Goldie tribute, um, just through text messages and stuff like that, mm-hmm. throwing ideas around. And it's appropriate, I think, to do a tribute to him uh, because he passed away earlier this year. So, uh, Jan- February or Jan- uh, January? January 23rd, Jan- I believe. Okay. Uh, almost 80 years old. And he had a fantastic career, a very you know, interesting career. Um, Canadian wrestler, born in 1936 in Carbon, Alberta, mm-hmm. which apparently is just a village, oh, yeah. even to this day. What's it? What's the closest? I think Drumheller is the closest. Oh, wow. yeah. And that's even a, a small town. Oh, everyone knows Drumheller. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, people, it, it's known as the uh, 
the Badlands. The yes. That's a lot of uh, fossils. Lots of dinosaur bones. Yeah. Maybe appropriate that that's where the uh, area that he came from. Yeah. Um, we should say quickly, there's a, there's a, it, and it's mentioned in, I, I think it's mentioned in Brett's book and it's mentioned in uh, Pain and Passion. Whenever they would drive through Drumheller, there's a running joke that uh, they had a, they would always tell the uh, the greenhorns that uh, Drumheller had a statue up of Stu. And <laughs> yeah, it would always right. be once to yeah, get yeah, to yeah. that, though. What was <laughs> the one most famous uh, dinosaur in, uh, in Drumheller's statue? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, born in Alberta, um, would become a very significant uh, wrestling star in the 60s and 70s. Um, Though not as well known, probably because his, you know his greatest success were in territories that are relatively obscure. Mm-hmm. Stampede, yeah, it's totally obscure um, to most North American wrestling fans. And then the other one was uh, sort of the East Tennessee Gulf Coast area, which um, produced a lot of good wrestling and a lot of famous names went through there. But it's still, as far as the territories go, it wasn't uh, one of the major ones. Uh, I wouldn't con- compare it to Calgary, but it was definitely. Under the radar. So he had this great long career in two places that are kind of obscure. So that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, even more so we need to uh, celebrate his career here. Um, I guess he started going to wrestling shows as a teenager. Yeah, this story Um, is great. Yeah. And when he got old enough, got into his 20s, he moved to Calgary because he knew that's where the center of wrestling in the province was. And he wanted to become a wrestler, right? But he didn't know how to break in. He he didn't, you know, I guess, you know, he would have known it was a work. I mean, he, um, you know, even back in the 50s, most people knew that, right? So, but he came to the, the shows in Calgary at the uh, Victoria Pavilion and started, like, picking fights, basically, with the heels, <laughs> being very aggressive, yeah. calling them out. And apparently, he would, you know, it was week after week, um, he was a regular there, and this was the late 50s, mm-hmm. when um, the TV was first starting, actually, in Calgary. Um, and then eventually, I think what happened was, you know, Stu and the other guys, they just got sick of this guy yeah. and they wanted to teach him a lesson. Um, but did, uh, before this, he had like without and it was a, a work that he grabbed the mic right. and started like uh, calling out at them and saying he was going to he had suddenly become part of the show. He wasn't going to take any. Yeah, that's right. He went too far. He grabbed Ed's mic, Ed Whalen. Um, and then he challenged the Mills brothers, who were like a top heel yeah. tag team, yeah. and on TV, right? Or well, I mean, they probably edited that part out when it got on TV, but it was during the filming of the TV yeah. show. Yeah. And yeah, then uh, Stu took him in the back and basically, you know, yeah, as this was dungeon. a way, yeah, took him, invited him to the dungeon, mm-hmm. basically as a way to show him, you know, this, uh, you know, stop screwing around with my wrestling show. Basically, get rid of him is what the idea was, yeah. and to show him that wrestling was legit, too, yeah. of course. So he went to the to the famous hard house to the dungeon, and the Stompers' story is that it was you know an ultimate torture. From chamber. all accounts, yeah, sounds yeah. like one of his most most lethal. Uh, <laughs> I don't know operations. Yeah, yeah. At one point, Stomper thought he was going to die. Yeah. Apparently, during the stretching, and then his story goes is that he broke free and sucker punched Stu, and then basically <laughs> ran. ran ran for his life, and it was in the winter. Yeah. So it was the snow, the deep snow yeah. outside and cold, and apparently ran all the way to his house, yeah. which is like four miles away, five miles yeah, away. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever people tell the stories of going to uh, the dungeon, it's always in four feet of snow. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Totally, of course, it's exaggerated. Yeah. Probably, he probably didn't run away yeah. Yeah. like that. And sucker probably punch, had too. A, he probably, probably had a cup of tea from Helen yeah. before he left. <laughs> he was maybe even in tears by yeah. the end of yeah. it and, and walked away in, in tears. Yeah. Uh, but it makes for a great story. Sure. It puts over Stu as oh, a yeah. monster, crazy... 
you know, awesome shooter. Mm -hmm. And but he came back eventually. A couple months later, he came back to the house mm -hmm. and apologized for being an ass. And basically, Stu then agreed to train him from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was 1962. Um, he only wrestled maybe a month or two in Calgary after being trained, and, and oh, it was just, just enhancement. Yeah, basically a. a JTTS, yep. to use a modern term, jobber to the stars. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then he actually got a pretty big break right quick into his wrestling career. Um, I'm not sure who, someone noticed him, because back in those days you had guys going all over the country, right? Yeah. And someone was in, just happened to be in Calgary that, you know, was maybe looking for talent or knew somebody that was looking for talent, got him booked into Central States, which was based in Kansas City. Uh, 1963, and was given the Mongolian Stomper gimmick right yeah. then and there, um, which would become a very successful gimmick for him in the United mm -hmm. States. And here's where his career diverges completely, where he's two different men uh, in two different countries, basically, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he'll go ahead now as he was, you know, doing a foreign menace gimmick. Yeah. He was supposedly uh, Mongolian. Mm -hmm. He never spoke. He had the dark features, and so then they changed his hair, had the, the tuft of hair, the Fu Manchu yeah. mustache, yeah. and, you know, let managers do all the talking for him. And in those days... Who you know, included... Um, we were, we're kind of talking Over the about. years, yeah, he had uh, Bearcat Wright in the 70s in Memphis, um, who was a big star wrestler, actually, in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, that's his maybe his most well-known. Mm -hmm. The guys in the 60s, uh, yeah, the 60s is a tough decade, Um First of all, there's no footage, really, yeah. hardly at all. And plus, the history is a little bit hazier than the 70s for a, like a direct comparison. So there's a lot of guys. And when you don't see the footage, you just rely on mm -hmm. names, and you can't really put a face to yeah. the name and As stuff. It, well, well, the stuff that we saw... Was later, but that's yeah. when it was Gorgeous George Jr. Yeah, by the late seventies, is Gorgeous George Jr. Yeah, but we'll get to that anyway. Yeah, nevertheless, he he wouldn't speak right. His that helped his his allure greatly because he came off as a legitimate like assassin, cold blooded assassin, and never mm -hmm. said a word. And he 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 steamrolled through everybody. That was his gimmick, uh, kind of like a one man road warriors would be a comparison or something okay. like that. Just probably not much selling, you know, uh, until the main event or the final match against whatever big baby face he was wrestling. Um, Pat O'Connor, a famous wrestler, uh, former NWA champion, was the booker of Central States. He came up with the Mongolian Stomper gimmick, um, was a main eventer right away, like I said. Uh, in 1964, he went to Australia, which was a hotbed or just becoming a hotbed for wrestling. Wow. Um, and was a top main eventer there. And he uh, feuded with top star Dominic DiNucci at that time. Okay, yeah, a uh, Titan's favorite. Titan's favorite. Um, Australia was actually Dom's uh, best place as a draw. He was one of the all-time draws uh, in Australian <laughs> wrestling history. Um, and then Stomper went to San Francisco in 66, which was a big uh, territory at that time and would be for several years afterwards. Uh, wrestled main events there. And then he came back to Alberta in 1967. Okay. And this was a turning point year. Um, they had lost their TV, I believe, before this. Yeah. Um, and were just getting it back. Mm -hmm. And vi actually, um, Stu had to take out a loan to pay to, for... To uh, take out an ad in Just in the newspaper paper. advertisement. He was so hard up. Yeah. Um, for those who know the history of Stampede Wrestling, or those who don't, there was ups and downs constantly. Uh, as far as them being successful and then being totally at the point where the Stu had to almost sell out, mm -hmm. they were poverty stricken, and then they'd be rich again with Cadillacs and all that sort that's of right. stuff. That's right, yeah, that's how the story Wild go. swings in, of success. Yeah. And this was the start of a new swing, 1967. Yeah. 
Um, this is the first time they were billed as Stampede Wrestling. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was for the return show in 1967. Before that, they had been Wildcat Wrestling, just before that. And Big Time Wrestling. Big Time Wrestling in the 50s, and then Klondike Wrestling was Stu's original mm-hmm. name. I'm not sure how um, prevalent that was in Calgary, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and from all accounts, from what I've seen, it sounds like everyone involved really uh credits archie for saving the, oh totally uh, saving the uh, territory yeah because he came in booked as like this badass cowboy um from out of town and that's what he hmm. <laughs> and, you know that, and it was great he was the same wrestler as far as like the stomping goes and being a heel but a totally different personality this hmm. archie did promos yeah and was famous for doing yeah. great promos that drew fucking people to the arena yeah. to see him um the key feud uh, that happened, or one of the most remembered feuds, anyways. Was in this make, first stint. In this first stint was in 69, where he basically goaded Stu Hart out of retirement. Uh, Stu had been, I think his last match really was probably 63 mm-hmm. or so, so this was six years later. Of course, he was always on TV. He was the promoter. He was the big presence. And I guess it built up for a long time with Stomper calling him out um, in interviews, Saying, you know, damn it, Hart, I hate you coming, you know, you're, you're a coward, all this usual stuff. And then when Stu finally came out, it was a big deal, yeah. right? And they had three straight matches uh, over three weeks at the pavilion. And in the third match, Archie broke Stu's arm. Yeah. Uh, kayfabe broke his arm, but that was the angle, and it was a huge angle. That's, like, next to another angle we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. The, the, those are kind of, like, the big two, apparently, for... Uh, you know, people who were um, watching at the time mm-hmm. or a fan at the time. Um, so, yeah, and Stu also lost that match. So he, not only did he get his arm broken in the match, he lost. Wow. It made Archie... Just imagine the heat in that building. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it made Archie a nuclear hot heel. Mm-hmm. And this is when the territory really started cooking. Yeah. Uh, late 60s and then into the 70s, too. Um, but then uh, this would become a recurring theme. Stomper walked out. It was in the summer of 69, actually. Okay. It, they were building up a match with, with him and It was going to be Robinson? him against, yeah. Yep. It was, he was going to face Dory Funk Jr., the NWA champion, at the Corral show in, in, um, during Stampede Week, mm-hmm. which was when they moved into the bigger building. And was that always their biggest? Yeah, that was the like year? their mania, if okay. you want to use that term. Because mm-hmm. uh, then they would actually shut down, I think, for the rest of the summer and then start back up in the fall. Yeah. Um, a lot of territories did that, with the f- feeling being, oh, people would rather be doing stuff in the outdoors instead of <laughs> sitting inside, and we'll, especially in the colder and territories, right? Damn fools. <laughs> There's money to be made every day. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, it just shows you the different mindset. Sure. So Stopper walked off. He, I guess it was a match, yeah, he had with Billy Robinson just before this, um, before the Corral show. And Robinson, he's a known shooter from mm-hmm. England. Uh, legit guy and apparently he took a lot of liberties with Stomper in a match sounds like it and Stomper just walked off in the middle of the match shoot quit the match Woke apparently this, really yeah. in the middle of wow like you know you know with yeah, everything yeah. you he have knows, to say yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it was a work yeah. but the the truth is he didn't he, he was gone he did leave like, yeah. he didn't it, it didn't lead to anything immediately mm-hmm. he was gone and he didn't return until 1971 so two years later and when he came back, the new hottest heel in the territory was none other than Abdullah the Butcher, who had amped the violence level considerably in the <laughs> meantime. As Abby does. <laughs> and this was Abby, like, if you've seen, there is footage of him um, from Australia around the same time. He's, he's felt. Really? Uh, yeah. Huh. You know, he's not, you know, rail thin, but yeah. he, compared to what he becomes sure. later, he's in great shape. 
uh, can, quick as a cat. Huh. Um, wow. And he was still, he, he back then he had the fork and just carved people up. And that got over huge in, in Calgary in the early 70s. As that, the 70s, uh, especially the early mid-70s, was kind of like the, the peak of bloody wrestling being used as, as the main way to draw fans Interesting. in. Um, if you look at the wrestling mag covers from that time, sure. And almost everyone had somebody in a full crimson, crimson mask <laughs> with like a outlandish headline of like Blassie strikes again or Blassie bleeds again. Yeah. Um, and there was, it was like almost like a monster movie. That's what I was going to say. It's like right next to like the Fangoria or Fantasmagoria. Yeah. What was the name of that? Yeah, Fangoria. Fangoria. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Fangoria existed then, but yeah, there was definitely like the 70s equivalent of monster mags yeah. with the crazy covers. And so, yeah, that was a big draw with blood. <laughs> And so Stomper came back, and him and Abby had a basically a monster, you know, battle of the monsters type feud. Okay. Something that was used a lot in the old days in so the, the territories. Was it the two heels? Yeah, yeah, two heels. Wow. This was used, you know, contrary to well, if you only know WWF's history, they never even back in the days of the WWF and Vince Senior didn't rely so much on the monster um, matchups mm-hmm. like a lot of the territories did with two heels. Basically, like King Kong versus Godzilla sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. And so this was one in Stampede, and it did great box office because they were just blood baths, you mm-hmm. know, two guys maiming each other. And but apparently there was legit heat behind the scenes with uh, Abby and Stomper. They didn't <laughs> like each other. Seemed like this seemed to fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's a reoccurring theme. Yeah. And he left again abruptly um, in '72, I think. Um, did some work in uh, the Tri-States area, which was, um, it would kind of evolved into the Mid-South Territory, which Bill Watts Territory, the Louisiana, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and I think Mississippi is the third state. I'm always confused over the, what the third in the Tri-States was. But anyway, not a bad little territory, but nothing special either. Um, he worked in Florida in 74 and feuded with Dusty Rhodes, right when Rhodes was taking off as a big, huge baby yeah. star as part of Gary Hart's army, which was... Have you ever seen pictures? I'm, where Gary Hart's dressed like Hitler, basically. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, funny because then he ends up with uh, J.R. Foley later, yeah, speaking exactly, of Hitler-inspired yeah. Who did a hit costumes. Did, yes, later in his uh, run as a manager. Uh, so, uh, sorry, where was this and, and what time was this? This was 74. Okay. Um, basically, he was a fixture in the South in mm-hmm. the United States when he was the Mongolian stuff. Is there... Is there Lots of footage of this? Uh, I don't know. There should be some stuff um, you would think with Florida with Dusty because there's a lot yeah. out there from that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see him in Dusty. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Him. And oh, it's Dusty in 74, was that was like the year he turned babyface and, and the territory was never hotter hmm. um, than that first year when he was babyface. And it was red hot for most of the 70s. Um, and then uh, Stopper became a fixture in eastern Tennessee the Gulf Coast area, it's kind of, at times it's been separate promotions, then other times it'd be unified. I've never been able to keep the history of this territory straight. But anyway, he became big there. Uh, Knoxville was the big city in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And he also wrestled in Memphis, which was technically its own, technically its own territory, um, separate from uh, the Knoxville wing. And he got over big in uh, Memphis. Him and Lawler had a huge feud in yeah. the mid-'70s. Which we will uh, kind of touch on. We did have a, some found some of that footage yeah yeah um and that was like one of the biggest business periods in the history of memphis wrestling Hmm. when it was lawler and stomper um in the main event at the mid-south coliseum um yeah i guess we should talk about this now one of the things he's noted for in um 
in uh, his southern stint in the southeastern area was the cinder block smash on the head. <laughs> um, basically, the spot where he would put a cinder block on his head yeah. with a towel, and um, his manager at the time would smash a sledgehammer on it. And this was to get over that he had, like, the strongest neck in the world. Yeah. He was indestructible, basically. And that looked as as, as shooty, gross, yeah. and yeah. God, long-term problems. Yeah, Travis and I watched this just you know, about an hour ago on YouTube. There's a highlight reel of him from this time, yeah. uh, like, late 70s. It opens 70s in Gorgeous time. George's living room. Where yeah, nice Gorgeous George Jr. Gorgeous George Jr. <laughs> who was his manager at the time. Um, and it shows these 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 uh, exhibitions of him smashing. Well, and when he smashes a cinder block on uh, Joe Ledoux's head, mm-hmm. who was a famous uh, French-Canadian wrestler. And apparently that ended up in, like, an, a legit injury. And I'm taking all this history, by the way, <laughs> pretty much verbatim, from, from um, the February 8th Wrestling Observer Newsletter by Dave Meltzer. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering. About, <laughs> about we, at some point, we got to give usually uh, Big I Dave don't a, credit. a shout-out. I don't, well, I usually don't use Big Dave this much. Usually I rely on wrestling data and then just make my own story up just using the, the results. Mm-hmm. But this was a great bio. Yeah. Um, I've used Meltzer bios on, on Titans before, too, for yeah. sure. And, um, like, he does. Uh, you can, uh, he references Brett spoke a lot yeah. and and uh he he spoke not as directly no uh which reminds me i, I missed my my window to talk about uh this one quote i want to read from uh oh when, yeah uh, well let's back up a bit when he was in the dungeon uh so this is just the one uh, quick quote i want to read from uh pain and passion um so this uh, was when he's being trained right being trained in the dungeon, okay, the dungeon right. uh, so, so it says keith hart has a vivid memory of the stompers days in the dungeon I remember one time my dad healed him in the nuts, Keith says matter-of-factly. He put him in a double grapevine and struck his ankles in between Archie's legs to ride him down. It's just like spearing a horse, but he spurred him right in the balls. Keith, just a boy at the time, remembers Goldie crawling to the bench, spent. He looked at me and he said, Hey kid, ever seen a swollen nut before? <laughs> Look what your old man done to me. Archie pulled his trunks to the side and popped his bruised testicle. And out popped his bruised <laughs> testicle. It was like a big coconut, Keith says. <laughs> so just, you don't get that from uh, Big Dave. He, he, uh, he just another normal day at the heart house. The heart dungeon, yeah. I wonder how many bruised testicles the uh, heart <laughs> family has seen. <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Stomper was, you know, legit a tough motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, well, and we saw the, the cinder blocks yeah. to the head. He would also get hit in the head with a shovel um, quite often. It was another one of his when uh, he, signatures. When he takes that cinder block, hit, and they show it twice, the second one yeah. in slow motion, it does go legit through to his head. <laughs> and when it does get through to his head, you, you can you can see his hand movements. Like he yeah. was not ready for that no. part to happen. No. Like he's like, legit, oh, my Christ. I'm, and I'm and Gorgeous to... George Jr. immediately goes over and <laughs> yeah, checks on him. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Which meant, yeah, looks you know. like he, a bit was, of a work. Yeah, that looked legit. Yeah. Because, like, why he were scummy manager? If you did it properly, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Right Just on another TV. day at the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and you know, it, it apparently did do some damage yeah. to him. Um, he, you know, he was known, unfortunately, for a lot of head shots mm-hmm. and head trauma mm-hmm. as a wrestler, especially in the south. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that you know, old that's story. Part of his gimmick. Yeah. Um, he came back to Calgary off and on um, during this time. He had a. Pretty big run in Georgia in 1980 uh, and 81. But I guess um, we'll stop here because we've got into the Southeastern okay. talk. And then we've gone over, uh, we went over some footage yep. from that era. It's kind of, uh, there's a decent amount on YouTube. A lot of, uh, a, lot of short- Mongolian, a lot more Mongolian stomper uh, footage than there are than there is just Archie uh, stomper oh, Goldie. Unfortunately, yeah. Because yeah. like that whole bit I just talked about. 
with Archie in the 60s and 70s in Calgary, all we have is one match against the end of one match against Dan Crawford from 1973. Yeah. We'll get back to that yeah, later. We'll get back to the Stampede stuff after we look at some of this, uh, some of his uh, early career as the Mongolian Stomper. Uh, starting with, we found a, uh, from Nashville in the mid-70s, Stomper against Bullet Bob Armstrong. I could say this is my first Bullet Bob Armstrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Another first for Travis. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the uh, NWA Southern Heavyweight Strap. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Archie's Mon- Mongol name is Tamajin. <laughs> Tamojin? Tamojin. I think, um, and Killer Khan would use it too. Yeah. It has significance, of course, in, in a legit M- Mongolian history, but I, off the top of my head, I can't think okay. of what it is. Uh, right away, just seeing Armstrong with wild whales on, uh, yes. on the Mongolian stomper here that you can see with the crowd is just loving. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Super starting to hot. see to see the appeal right away. Yeah, Armstrong was a pretty big star in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mongolian Stomper uses the old uh, eye gouge to get out, uh, gets the upper hand, starts stomping. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is where you really see the crowd is loving B.A. Uh, Bob Armstrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, great face, uh, great baby face comeback mm-hmm. from uh, Bob, yeah. Bob Armstrong. And then, uh, uh, so a Mongol, Mongolian Stomper's manager at this time is Al Green. Yes. He causes havoc. Bullet Bob Armstrong gets a fast count yes. for the win. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mongolian Stomper turns on. Uh, Al Green post match yes. because he he uh, ruined the thing for him. Yeah, and I, I think they pushed on commentary that Al Green was just in his corner for this match, not that he was like his permanent okay. manager. Okay, so uh, you know, uh, uh, first interview. Yeah, <laughs> failure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Stomper had tons of different managers over the years. This would I I'm not sure the date on this exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say late seventies. Okay. Um, but yeah, Armstrong, you know, he he's he's really good, great. Like one of the, the you know, uh textbook definitions of, of a seventies fired up baby yeah. face, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get it. Um he was so good. Backland esque, is that yeah, well it, it was a southern before? it was more of a well, it was it was I guess it was wide throughout all the territories, but it was when you think about it, you kinda of think of like the southern territories and, and their matches were you know, super heated and they would have matches where, of course, the babyface gets slaughtered mm-hmm. to the point where the crowd is ready to riot, yeah. <laughs> and yes. sometimes it went too far. Yeah, teaser for we we do <laughs> yes, see but not stuff. in a southern territory, yeah, in, in a northern in one, Calgary, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this was a fun little snippet. Um, you know, that's what we're looking at. Mostly yeah. just quick little clips. Yeah. But um, the crowd was definitely hot. It <laughs> shows that. Yeah, I mean, Stomper was the, the you know, gimmick was over. Yes, very over. Uh, so that keeps staying in the late seventies, and I guess we're over to Memphis now. Mm-hmm. It starts with a uh, Jerry Lawler uh, promo. He has just won by uh, disqualification. Oh, this is uh, Archie talking at this time. I don't yes, think we yes. didn't get to see, uh, but a promo no. on Lawler. Yeah, me. yeah. Uh, he's very subdued and serious. This is the first time we. Saw, so you're saying this is the first? Would this have been the first time they would have allowed him to speak? I, I think there was an earlier time because then when Rocky Johnson comes out, okay. Then I realized, oh, it couldn't be where when I thought it was okay. originally because I thought it was like 1975, okay. but Johnson wasn't in Memphis until yeah. later. So he he asks for help, yeah, uh, and gets it from Rocky Johnson. He says he needs it to. Uh, to keep the rats off my back. <laughs> yeah. To just keep everyone keeps getting yeah. involved. Yeah. Lawler being a heel at this time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, Rocky comes in, makes an appearance and says, put her there, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a uh, really great uh, moment where uh, Archie promises blood will flow from Lawler's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of use of the word berry 
in this. I wonder if that is that supposed to be a bit of a shoot that inside at this time. Uh, is that common at all in any Memphis? I, 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 I yeah, I don't. I wouldn't think so. I don't think so either. But it's yeah. it's all over this right. Oh, Barry and burial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we go to what is just a two minute and forty three mm-hmm. second uh, clip of uh, the Mongolian Stomper and Lawler. It's already a schmoz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is late in the match. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy Diamond is involved. Yeah, Look, I'm not sure. No? Okay. Um, Lawler's uh, manager at this time. Yeah. Like. We see the, the ref is busted open. Yes, <laughs> rare a, time that yeah. the ref blades. That's, uh, that should be used more often, yeah. actually. Lawler with the uh, riding crop and is choking out... Um, yeah, Stomper is Stomper. the baby face here. Stomper's the baby face. Yeah. And, so, and the crowd is, like, angry about this. Mm-hmm. And then, so, and, like, he has a long extended choke. This is mm-hmm. something I want to point out just about, just uh, my observation okay. here. Uh, so and then Rocky comes in to clean house, and he's yeah. the baby face, and the crowd yes. is excited. Yeah. But then the bell starts ringing angrily, yes. like, get out of there. And so I want to yes. say, I want to, I'm going to, this is my hot take, a little systemic racism happening in Memphis at this time. Yeah. Like, why are they not pounding the bell when the heels are, are choking out the, the, the hero? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> I just say, hey. Hot button topic. Yeah. Uh, so Rocky and uh, the Mongolian Stomper embrace, and you get some, some quick little joyful hops with the yes. Mongolian Stomper here, which seemed a little uh, little out of character. Yeah, well, th- that's 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 right. It totally was out of character because in the South, and when he was the Mongolian Stomper, he never spoke. Yeah. And then this is you know one of the rare times in in the Meltzer bio. I think it was around 75 where he first spoke because his manager at the time, Bearcat Wright, left abruptly. And it didn't get over um, because he spoke like Archie Goldie. He didn't speak with any attempt at doing like a Mongolian accent or or any smoke like clear English. So (laughs) combined with the fact that his mystique was shattered because he had never spoke before, it just the crowd, you know, a lot of fans and Jim Cornette was one of them. He was a regular at the shows in Louisville at the time. You know, he he notes how that really took him out of it, and and no one believed it was legit anymore. And the attendance immediately plunged. Uh, before hmm. that, they were doing like records. Um, and then I guess uh, this is late seventies. This stuff that we saw here mm-hmm. um, with Rocky Johnson. Um, so I guess he he went again with uh, without a manager and did his own promos. Yeah, and it's you know. Oh, he's starting. He's he was. He had nailed it. The, the, you know, I'm wondering what fans in the South thought. They were like, why is he talking like that? Because <laughs> we knew him, or, uh-huh. you know, we would have known him in I Calgary. I see what you're saying, yeah. Right, as, as an Albertan, as a Canadian. Yeah. Must, if, unless you... And I don't think Stampede would have been wrote up much in the you wrestling know, mags at the, the time. Yeah, and they... they, they Probably knew that that this was a, yeah. a resource that they should have been using. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who can cut really good. Promises. Yeah, it, oh, totally. But he was handcuffed in a sense yeah. by his gimmick, as, as, or his original gimmick, mm-hmm. as being like the mute Mongolian. Uh, similar thing happened to Gorilla Monsoon, but yeah. he turned babyface. But I guess, hey, well, he's uh, Mongol or Stomper yeah. was babyface here too. But when uh, Monsoon turned babyface in the WWWF, he went from being mute to being. You know, intelligent and, uh, uh, English yeah. speaker, and he was supposed to be Manchurian. Yeah, a guy who knows a lot about the human anatomy. Yes, suddenly, well, yes, oh, he has a med degree, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did that quietly over the years in <laughs> yeah, a spare time, taught himself English. English. And, and uh, yep, it took about six or seven years, but he was persistent. <laughs> yeah, <at it>. no, <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, one more uh, non uh, stampede match you want to look at this is Memphis, uh, May 14th, 1979. Uh, young, young. This is. I also say this is my only, the first Terry Boulder match I've ever seen. But yeah. we know him as uh, Hulk Hogan uh, versus the Mongolian Stomper. 
starts with a promo of Mongolian Stomper referring to himself as the eighth wonder of the world. Yes. Uh, I guess this was... It was a great heat thing yeah. because Andre was t- would tour the territories at that time. So he would be calling himself the eighth wonder of the world. And, of course, that was Andre's moniker. And it was, he was known for it, you know, nationally. Mm-hmm. And so when Andre would come into the territory, then he would have this feud like, oh, I'm the eighth wonder of the world. No, I'm the eighth wonder of the world. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Uh, and Hogan in a singlet, yes. looking looking very athletic in this match. Oh, very much. Uh, so. Really good chicken shit heel stuff from Mongolian Stomper. We hadn't seen when he was down in the corner early and kind of mm-hmm. uh, pleading for uh, mercy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Slams Boulder's head into the absence of a torn turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah. a ton of pounding because it's just like it's just there's Exposed no padding there whatsoever. A couple layers of tape. Yeah, like that. Like uh, turnbuckles you know, cost too much money. Four or five years later, that's the end of a match. Like when somebody <laughs> yeah. takes. The paddle. But it looked like the second and third turnbuckles had actual, oh. actual turnbuckles. Yeah. Tops, no. Yeah, let's keep it. Let's uh, you know. Let's make them. it legit. The fans won't believe it if you have all three turnbuckles. Pads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see an early uh, leg drop from uh, the Hulkster, or pardon me, yeah, Terry awkwardly. Boulder. Looks like he had a little work to do on that. <laughs> a lot of work. And a big boot came later. Yeah. Uh, so the, the whole sequence is out, yeah. of, out of whack. Uh, <laughs> Like we said, he's looking, uh, and aside from uh, Terry Boulder looking really athletic, uh, some really nice selling from the Mongolian Stomper mm-hmm. throughout this. Mm-hmm. Good sized crowd here. Yeah. Do you have a, what would you guess? Uh, I'm assuming this was Mid South Coliseum. It's hard to say. I think at most they could get about 12,000 in there, 11, 12,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming they had a hot Lawler match on the same card, yeah. probably. This was, you know, during Lawler's heyday. Um, but yeah, no, it looked like a good sized crowd, yeah. and it was a hot crowd. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with the bear hug uh, from who had the bear hug on Terry? Um, yes, and, had it and, on and again that didn't look too great. But no. Hogan, this was only his second year in the business, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, he's a little green. Yeah, uh, so uh, I think the gorgeous George interferes and Stomper uh, allows. Uh, or attacks uh, Terry with the, mm-hmm. the boot, mm-hmm. and Lawler enters and is called the Hamburger King by uh, whoever was doing the commentary. <laughs> was, uh, it was Gorgeous George Jr. Oh, was, yeah, well, I believe, yeah. Because they, they, this had, yes. the promo had cut to these, yes. uh, yeah. the previous things, and you, cut, you started to hear the voiceover of the promo again. Yeah, it was Lance yeah. Lance Russell with Stomper and Gorgeous George Jr. So narrating. it was good, good, good old-fashioned Memphis schmoz yeah. and ugliness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. Uh, that was a random one we just picked. Um, I haven't seen too many Terry Bull older yeah. matches either uh, so that was fascinating mm-hmm. and also uh, he's working as a baby face here and usually mm-hmm. Hogan was a heel when he was young mm-hmm. so that was a neat thing to see mm-hmm. um, and yeah Stomper looked good too still you know super hot still you know he was getting to near 20 years in the business at this point mm. but um you know he would still wrestle occasionally in the 60s so he still had a ways to go yeah <laughs> yeah uh all right so from here the I mean I don't know if you want to go more into the uh, I, I mean I don't honestly I don't know a ton you know with Stampede I can just riff off the top of my head okay. but with Knoxville uh, Southeastern I'm not the one to tell the history of that territory yeah. um, but like said, it, it was it was it was um, very successful when he was there that's okay. for sure promotional consideration paid for by the following what's up everybody this is Kevin Kelly make sure you check out every episode of the Kevin Kelly Show, right here on the Place to Be Nation. PlaceToBeNation.com, the Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. 
Place of Nations, Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceToBeNation.com. And we now offer them to you on two great feeds as well. On the Place to Be podcast feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines, main event, Mission Indie Possible, in our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. Relive Wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. We also have sports covered too with the Sports Lounge, the TJ McLoon Show, and NBA Team Podcast. On our brand new PTB Pop Podcast feed, we offer great shows such as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both feeds on iTunes and be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All these shows are available on PlaceMation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to check out on the right-hand side of the site for details on how to support the site when you shop at Amazon and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts and Scott Keats' blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network, where you'll find a ton of in depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's One Two Punch of Exile on Bad Street, and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with good old Will from Texas. We got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleeves. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. So... Like we had mentioned, uh, our stampede footage of of uh, Archie is mm-hmm. a little more limited, um, but it goes back to the the earliest one that we could find, July nineteen seventy three. It was Dan Crawford versus Archie Stomper Goldie. Dan yes. Crawford had a pretty storied career. Uh, oh yeah, everywhere, right? Yeah, well, in Stampede, for, um, mm-hmm. as as one of the signature baby faces of, in the history of the territory, mm-hmm. um, Cowboy Dan Crawford. Yeah, um, had the great like movie star looks. Like a lot of people compared him to Robert Redford at the <laughs> time, who was a popular movie star, <laughs> and, and he was huge in Calgary. He only worked in a few places in the states. Oh, really? Uh, so it was just in Calgary where he became a big yeah. Star? And he he had a relatively short career. I don't think even like ten years as a wrestler. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. So he was I done by the end else. of the seventies. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. So this starts with some of that like signature tough brawling and the strong. Stomps or, mm-hmm. or, or so, so some strong strikes from uh, Dan Crawford here. The crowd got heated as uh, Archie had, had been thrown out of the ring and it just him mm-hmm. crawling back into the ring. They were kind of, no, 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 he's coming in again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. get an idea of just how his character loomed, yeah. even when he wasn't, uh, you know. He was so dangerous. Yeah. He was booked as being so yeah. dangerous. Like you hear in the stories of, of Brett talking about him 
just being legit afraid that Archie mm-hmm. was going to come back. Yeah, to the, from a yeah, based on a promo where he, gonna, Archie said he was going to tear down the hard house brick, brick by, by brick. brick. But amongst, I mean, he was feuding with his father, and he broke his father's arm yeah. on TV. <laughs> I'm like, did he see that? Yeah, you know, and he was. T- probably about 12 years old at that time that's yeah. crazy and then there's like he said this was a big turning point he never saw wrestling the same after yes when he came by to the house and he's just yes. kind of looking from the window and saw him give his mom a big hug and kiss yeah and, stomper came up and, and took, picked up his check picked up his check and yeah. got a hug and kiss from helen which yeah that's pretty much that's kind of like sorry son santa claus santa yeah. claus moment right there <laughs> yeah exactly you out this way um so yeah but yeah for brett stomper was his idol like his first idol in mm-hmm. wrestling i think and mm-hmm. really throughout the years he uh, praised him so much yeah and he really gives him credit with the guy probably outside of his dad someone who taught yeah. him more about the yeah psychology else. he was always you know he'd always remark how stomper was so great at psychology yeah um yeah yeah um, so you get the sense that they've been beating the shit out of each other for a while. This because this this is really late in the match. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dan Crawford with some uh, nice change in pace um, that leads to a sleeper mm-hmm. uh, and a ref bump. And the boot is off again. Yes. As soon as that boot is off, the re- is uh, yeah. you start to see garbage thrown in the yeah. ring. Yeah. Uh, and the ref comes to uh, after Archie has pinned uh, Crawford. Mm-hmm. The crowd is just irate. This mm-hmm. is. Uh, uh, the, the kind of the heat I remember from uh, seeing the, the kind of the overturned finishes or the, the right. miscarriage of justice that you'd see from Jurgen Herman or even uh, Wayne Hart in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that was yeah total miscarriage of justice ending. Um, yeah. And it was the story going into this was that the winner would face the NWA champion at the big show at the Corral during the Stampede mm-hmm. um, in the summer, which was, you know, their biggest show of the year. And so, um, yeah, the, that was equally important. This was, yeah, right before that show. And didn't, so Stomper left again right after this, hmm. I believe. Yeah, kind of left him in the lurch. Yeah. So, and so then the next thing we get to here is uh, 83 or so, so. Is there any blanks to be filled in there? Or? Uh, um, not a lot. Um, as Stomper, he worked in Georgia a bit in 1980-81 and was actually had a big run there where he feuded with Dusty again. Mm. Uh, returned to Calgary, and I think just not too long before uh, this uh, next part we're going to talk about in 83. Yeah. yeah, really, which is really one of the most, if not well, the, the most uh, legendary, let's say the most legendary stampede feud not involving a heart. How's that? Yeah. Is that, is it, is there, do you think you could put that moniker on it? Yeah, you could. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's at least it's, it's up there. It's, mm-hmm. it's one that is, is very yeah. storied and remembered. Yeah. Uh, it starts December 2nd, uh, 1983. Uh, in the middle of a uh, footage we found is in the middle of a six man tag. Bad News Allen uh, is tagged with Archie and his son. What's his son's name? Jeff. Jeff Goldie, yeah, uh, against Hart Brothers and Davy Boy Smith. It's yeah. Brett and Keith. Su- no, it? it's Sunny Two Rivers. Oh, Sunny Two Rivers, of course. I was, <laughs> yeah. Brett, Sunny Two Rivers, and Davy Boy and Davy Boy Smith. Uh, so it begins with uh, Bad News Allen's working over Davy Boy Smith and helping out Jeff Goldie. Like he's just right mm-hmm. along for mm-hmm. the ride. Like mm-hmm. it just seems like everybody's on the same page here. Yeah, I mean, you had said uh, some reports. 
say that uh, the angles had kind of hinted at some dissension from bad news before yeah. this. But I, watching this match in a vacuum, you see no reason why for no, him to no, not from why it should be footage. anything out of the out of the ordinary. No. Uh, so yeah, we see uh, Sunny Two Rivers come in. Uh, as you say, he's working a, a native First Nations <laughs> yes. uh, gimmick here, but he's from Japan. He's actually Japanese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, some really great work. Um, he got some good heat uh, in this match, and then suddenly, Bad News Allen turns on Archie Goldie, mm-hmm. uh, and Waylon can barely keep up with it. It's so yeah. like, okay, no, wait a second here. I did, he hit the hit, stomper. He hit the stomper. And Kerry Brown and uh, Wakamatsu, who would have been... Yes, K.Y. Wakamatsu. K.Y. Wakamatsu. <laughs> they hogtie, uh, looked like Archie Goldie over to the in the corner there. At least bring yes. his legs over there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just from there, in the middle of this, it cuts to the in-ring promo. Yeah. And you can tell... Mm-hmm. Something has gone down. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and bad news, Alan uh, has walked back into the into the the ring, and he's revealed mm-hmm. his monster plan. Mm-hmm. Tells the cameraman to look over at the carnage, and pans over to <laughs> what you can see is a, a near riot. And yeah. You said that this had had caused a riot. Yeah, a riot did break out because because while the camera was off. Yes. Six pile drivers yeah. on the concrete? So what we didn't get to see was, yeah, um, well, first off, Bad News brought out the fork, yeah. which he had, Hui. I guess, legit got in trouble with <laughs> that year um, by the Athletic Commission, who had some sway over wrestling it's still. just so visceral. Um, I'm not sure about that six-month suspension, if that was legit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, the footage we didn't see was not the fork being used on Stomper, I assume, mm-hmm. because he's a bloody he's, mess yeah, afterwards, yeah. and there's a big puddle of blood in yeah. the ring. Um, and then Jeff Goldie, who was actually um, just a wrestler from Kansas City that Stomper had known um, during his time down there in the South or in the States, and he was, of course, not related to Stomper mm-hmm. at all, but he brought him in. And, you know, what a great angle because yeah. it's your son who this was supposed to be his first match ever. <laughs> He'd been begging his father to, to wrestle. And then this is what <laughs> As happened. As the story goes. Um, yeah. And then News gave him who knows how many pile drivers, maybe as many as six. <laughs> um, and they the angle was, yeah, it broke his neck. Yeah. In his first match ever, Jeff Goldie's career has ended. What a tragic story. Yeah. So, uh, but unfortunately, we, that footage just—I don't know if it ever aired on TV. It doesn't or sound like it. Like, yeah. and it consistently, this is—it makes sense that they would have cut this out, right? If you look at all the other, uh, just if you look at the pattern of what was removed yeah. from uh, a lot of their shows, yeah. If it is as violent as the uh, stories, as the tales tell, yeah. But when we cut back and with bad news is in the ring giving his promo, you can just feel like there's a yeah. lot of tension yeah. going on. And then just before it cuts out, you can sense, I think, the beginnings of, I don't think it was like a full-scale riot, but a small little riot did break out in the crowd. Wild. And I think you can feel that just starting and then it cuts. It cuts. And there's like a woman screaming, screeching just before the footage cuts out. And you can see people going like this, like looking over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that something was happening. And then, yeah, apparently yeah. there was a riot. An old lady, an elderly lady got hurt in the melee. Wow. Um, and this got them into big trouble. Understood. With, well, um, as, we, as, we, as we will learn. Yeah. Um, so. this, it's one of the, it's, yeah, probably the most legendary angle in Stampede because for so many different reasons. It was 
like from a creative standpoint, it was really interesting because they were doing this, something that was pretty cutting edge mm -hmm. with like this real violent moment where they sold it like this was really bad. Like yeah. amongst all this crazy stuff that's happened over the years in wrestling, yeah. this is the worst thing that's happened. And it, what really, really helped put it over was the, the, the next promo that we yeah. see, which is probably... I, I, I would, I'll definitely the best Archie Goldie <laughs> uh, promo I've ever seen out of the ones we've seen. We've, yeah. We saw a couple today. It's, yeah. But this is, you know, uncharacteristically for the guy who's known as being this live wire, he's mm -hmm. just really mm -hmm. somber and, uh, you know, bandaged uh, and gives us just a beautiful promo. You almost see perhaps a tear in Ed Whalen's eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the things, it's just it's like one thing I've, uh, like I've done a lot of bad things, but I've never taken advantage of a young boy. Yeah. And like I fought young boys before, but I didn't do what you did out there and you took advantage of a young boy. And uh, he says like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna holler and scream tonight, Edward. He uses his yes. full name <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I don't care about any, any, championships or right. or gold i was like i've just got to get i've got to get the men that hurt my son uh and it's just like done delivered right at the camera like i said the this is after everyone's left the arena and it, mm -hmm. yeah empty arena yeah great atmosphere yeah and so this must have been and uh, so this cuts out before uh what you said like ed and yeah. legitimately, like, shoot walks off. Well, actually, no, this was no. actually... Well, according to Bruce, like, the legend of this moment is that this is where Waylon quit on the spot. Because mm -hmm. um, he was disgusted with the violence and legit quit, not as part of the show. Um, I was looking online for some info, and I found excerpts from Bruce Hart's book. And he was... Uh, Bruce Hart was apparently the booker of this angle. Mm -hmm. His um, story is that Ed, Ed was in on it, and that, you know, this was a great angle. Yeah. And to sell it... You know, Ed was going to quit the show and to sell how serious of a moment it was, right? Yeah. That he was actually going to walk off. And uh, according to Bruce, Ed, who was also the Calgary Flames announcer, was going on a road trip. So he was going to be gone for a couple weeks anyway. So he would be gone, you know, at least for those two weeks to sell that he'd quit the show. <laughs> but in the meantime, the press that this angle got was unprecedented and it was pretty much all negative. Yeah. Um, it got, I, I meant to look up uh, if I could find any front page headlines from Calgary Papers at the time, but I forgot. But it mm -hmm. was it was a pretty significant story because you know the, the commission uh, suspended Stu's wrestling license legit from this mm -hmm. because of the violence and the incident with the elderly lady. Um, so he couldn't run shows in Calgary anymore. Um, even that, you know, the they would do weekly shows, of course. So the next week, um, even though the show was canceled, and it was what, and the news had been out. That yeah, it was. The, the news had been out. It was uh, four thousand. Apparently, four thousand fans still showed up, and it was minus Again, twenty in the, in the four feet of snow. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, coldest day of the year. Yeah, yeah. But you know, showed up expecting to see um, Stomper against yeah. Bad News. Um, but uh, I'm now the timeline is kind of confused. I'm not sure when they started doing the shows at the Indian Reservation, but I think it was um, right after this. Yeah. Because um, they legit had to hold shows outside of the Calgary city limits where they didn't have, or the commission didn't have any uh, authority. Mm -hmm. So they uh, picked a Native American reservation that had a, a athletic complex or some sort of yeah. facility and held shows there. But the problem was that you couldn't get there by public transit that's one problem <laughs> second is that wrestling fans you know they would go to the shows at the pavilion because it was a routine and all that mm -hmm. but they weren't going to go out of their way mm -hmm. uh to get to a place that they hadn't they didn't even know where it was yeah um so you know they had to hold the shows there so it ended up actually hurting the territory pretty and it had been mm -hmm. a hot territory for quite a few years 
before this because this was the golden age of Brett as a young guy, Dynamite Kid especially, um, a lot of the the high flyers and that sort of style, and that got got over pretty huge and made the the territory pretty successful. Hmm. Um, but this was the end of an era essentially, and more it it turned out to be the end of Ed Whalen because after the bad publicity, he kind of had to quit. Like he had no choice; really? he couldn't go back because. Um, and I was reading, it was his wife at this time that was involved in uh, uh, civic politics. or Na- Naomi? I think, Naomi yes, Naomi, yeah. yes. And so he kind of, you know, since the, there was a taint now on the, the Stampede promotion, he kind of just stayed away. Hmm. Um, How long did that last? Well, it didn't last too much longer because, well, for the territory, the territory lasted till maybe mid-84, and then Stu sold to Vince. Vince, and then um, came back in 86? It came back in yeah. late, 85, late 85, officially, but Bruce had run shows independently uh, before that, and then and was running in opposition of uh, WWF shows that okay. were coming to Calgary and not exactly lighting the world on fire okay. or anything. So this, time. so this, these actions mm-hmm. and the attached uh, repercussions, yes, just halted operations at the Pavilion. Yep. Uh, so this went to the next promo of uh, Archie's, which is uh, on this uh, mm-hmm. First Nations reservation. He talks about Stu's license being suspended, talks about being with everyone and wanting to get into the event. Yes. Uh, and so he, he called the chief of the Sarsi reservation. As yeah. He said, sure you did. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is a good promo, but also showed a little bit of how he hadn't quite done his homework because you can see every time he has to yes. read the name and address of the, the place, he's looking right off camera and clearly reading it. Um, he talks about his son's injuries. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want any police there. Puts up a bond in case they wreck the building. <laughs> and does, so does he put... Well, he says he's going to put up $5,000. But that's not a bounty on, on Bad News Island. No, it? that was like a deposit on, uh-huh. on, on the building. And, yeah, yeah. So he had a, a great build in this, but then a, a bit of mild racism. He's like, he says, we're going to make... Tell you why we're going we're gonna, to... If we can get out of that building, there's 500 acres of Indian land where we yeah. can just destroy your black hide. Yeah. And, uh, and this cuts to a serious Bad News Island. And he also apologizes for the cancellation. Mm-hmm. He accepts the challenge. Uh, he kind of blows the bullet points about where, they, where the yeah, timing had to be. Maybe he needed, the, uh, <laughs> maybe he <laughs> needed the, the cue cards. cards as well. Yeah. And he right away, I thought this was interesting as he calls out the racist commission and yes. he calls him out on his racist comment. Right. Uh, and he find, at the end he says, you're really going to feel what black power really is. Yeah. Uh, and this is the, the kind of what I, in a, a generalization with heels is it really bugs you I mean, I don't know how much this would have been on everyone's mind in 1983, but it bugs you when they kind of make a point. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? But like, uh, right? Yeah, that they're. Oh yeah, 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 I guess he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Bad News always played the race card as uh, a heel in Calgary, especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even to an extent in the WWF mm-hmm. later too. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sure. Mm. Yeah, no, well, uh, we all remember Roddy playing it back. <laughs> yeah, yes. infamous. Really. Mm. Anyways, uh, so this leads to that grudge uh, strap match on the reservation. Um, and this seemed to start right from the beginning. We didn't get the full match. No, I think we got almost the full yeah, match. Yeah, but it was because it wasn't very long. No, uh, starts with Bad News Allen getting dragged in from the outside. Outside, they are strapped together. The announcer is awful. What's his name? Uh, Sam Meneker. Yeah, who um, by this point was I think almost eighty. Um, you know, apparently in the the fifties and sixties, he was the main announcer. Well, not apparently, he was definitely the main announcer. For uh, Stampede, um, Ed Whalen was kind of like the B announcer, fill-in guy mm-hmm. for the first, you know, five, six years of the territory or being it on TV. Um, he was also a booker in the 50s and 60s and was apparently, you know, a pretty good ideas guy at that time. Hmm. The territory was successful, 
But this was 25 years later, and he's definitely feels like a man out of time <sighs> yeah. here completely. Especially with an angle that has so much heat to it, legitimate heat. Yes. And he's just got such this jokey little <sighs> comical take on everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's... No, it, it, the, the first time he said... Uh, does the Archie Goldie? Yeah. It suddenly <laughs> like takes this serious match, and then suddenly after that, it's like, well, this isn't serious. Yeah, it's a uh, shame. But there is great heat in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Archie uh, Archie Goldie shows some of that strong uh, the noggin as he takes some mm-hmm. hard hits from Bad News mm-hmm. Allen, uh, and this just ends with. Uh, which looked like it was bad news may have been counted out. I believe that the finish is bad news is counted out, and which, then there was how a, could that happen in a stretch? I match? know, but it leads to a cage match. Oh, so yeah. you know wow. that's the logical next step, sure. right? You can't was, run, you can't be counted out. So was this cage match on the reservation? Uh, well? Yes, because they I believe they held several shows yeah. here. I don't know when. I don't know if they came back to the pavilion until um, late '85 for the revival. Hmm. Um, yeah, I want to say they didn't because hmm. I've seen footage from 84 and it's definitely not at the pavilion and it's later it's with like uh mass superstars there abdul the butcher comes back hmm. and stuff like that and then uh brett leaves and yeah well the territory is sold and so it's done hmm. okay uh so then this was from 83 as well the last two yeah, uh like clips very, yeah. again we only have uh limited uh footage of uh archie uh archie stomper goldie in uh, stampede but this is we got two good uh Good uh, examples of of his work there. Here, mm-hmm. well, this is a grudge match with uh, between Bret Hart and and Archie. Uh, so some good fire right off of the bell, um, and mm-hmm. we're back to we're back to seeing what heel Goldie was all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, nice mat work mix, mixed with some tough punches. Uh, this is where we learn about the funny side story going on with uh, Bad News Allen that he's been suspended for six months. Uh, so this uh, this was. Uh, yeah, determining yeah. their uh, who is the this mm-hmm. uh, who is who would be the um, pardon me either the champion or the number one. Yeah, bad news was suspended yeah. for six months. It's uh, sold, and that the title was now mm-hmm. basically held up. Although they were kind of vague if that was mm-hmm. actually. Going uh, on here. This match had a real slow pace, long headlock sequence. Uh, I guess it's more indicative of the time. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean that was very common. Yeah. yeah, but they they were working um, mm-hmm. spots around it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a yeah. lazy headlock. Sure, sure. sure. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, pace picks up for a second and went back to the headlock. And then it cut to the twenty minute mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see at this point we see Brett is cut open and he's got a sleeper on Archie Goldie. Yeah, Brett, Brett gets a yellow card. This shows you like he, he, how much heat was in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face is uh, yeah. so upset that he he eventually tosses the ref and gets disqualified and gets the red card, right. which which was the uh, the custom in Stampede. Yeah. Wrestling. Well, for listeners out there unfamiliar with the the, yeah. the rules system in Stampede, I think this was introduced not too long before this. It was a Bruce Hart idea mm-hmm. that he took from soccer. Yeah. Right? And you would get a yellow card as a warning, two yellow cards, you were disqualified, yeah, and that was, was a red card. And there was also a black card that would hardly ever be yeah. used because that was a suspension. Yeah, the I remember seeing it once. I remember seeing right. it once. <laughs> uh, and so this match ends, but there's a nasty-looking choke from Brett on, mm-hmm. on uh, Archie post-match. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so this shows you, like I said, just gives you a glimpse of the, the kind of heat that he would get if mm-hmm. it was causing your 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 uh, white knight to behave in such a manner. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a great story because this was... Now Archie feuding with the son of the man that he hated mm-hmm. and the man that he feuded with in the late yeah. '60s and broke his arm. Yeah, and they and like uh, he th- talks about in his book and Meltzer did that they were they were still referencing. That's how well known yes. that angle was that they're still referencing it here. Yeah, four, fourteen, 14 years, years later. later. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, so the 
The last clip we had is with uh, Stu and uh, J.R. Foley. Uh, Stu enters post-match. Or, or like, yeah, it's a post-match. Yeah. Between, who's in the ring at this, this point? This would have been another match between Stomper and Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Bret's yeah. getting uh, double-teamed by... At the by, end, just the very... Well, by, after the bell. By Foley and, mm-hmm. and Archie. And, uh, and uh, it's a blood-soaked ring. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Stu and Brett are on one side, and Archie kind of starts quietly. He's like, let me tell you something. And he just loses it. He just starts screaming at Stu, and he's, mm-hmm. like, uh, about to start. Like, he, he takes like he's about to hit him with the cane that he's holding, and Stu yeah. is clearly not ready for mm-hmm. it. He's like, you didn't, you didn't clear that with me. <laughs> uh, he says, he calls him, you're nothing but an old, lame rooster. <laughs> he's like saying, you, yeah. you, he, he's a license. He's got a license to be here. You don't have a license to be here. Yeah. He keeps psyching <laughs> Stu out with his cane. It looks. <laughs> yes. like, so it's like really good heat there and it sets yes. up a match uh with uh jr foley uh in a wrestling role and archie goldie or archie goldie against mm-hmm. brett and Stu hart mm-hmm. working for uh, the first time in gosh knows uh, how long i'm not sure but he only worked one more match after, after this the, three years later uh yeah so, so yeah he's uh <laughs> it's 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 an older stew. How old is he at this point? Uh, he would have been 68. My goodness. Uh, so it begins, uh, starts with Archie Goldie and Brett. Um, Stu delivers an elbow to the rib and gets tagged in, and he looks, every move he makes is mm-hmm. uh, looking pretty stiff here. These punches look, uh, look uh, like they hurt. Mm-hmm. Archie Goldie tags in JR, and we see some ugly infants offense and work with him. You can tell he's not a... Much of a wrestler. Stu is just, I'm going to write it down. I had to underline it. He's mean to mm-hmm. J.F. Foley in this yes. match. Uh, yellow card is given to the heels. Uh, Stu is no selling no. <laughs> at all. He gets uh, Archie Goldie in the corner. Uh, this is when uh, Ed says he looks uh, very tough at close range, just yes. in reference to those punches. Each one he's, looks nice. Yeah, he's still tough at close range. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Brett bumps the ref, another ref bump here. Um, and he's thrown over and then enters stiff into th- he's thrown to the ropes, and then we see the stiffest punch I've ever seen thrown on J.R. Foley. <laughs> and uh, ref comes in, and we, f- we hear the infamous words that we hear many times from Ed. They're going to wipe this whole thing out, <laughs> yeah. which is like uh, well, a lot of matches would end in a DQ. And that yeah. was that was super entertaining that match. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. Considering Stu's age, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, he was throwing stiff shots. I think the only time he sold was when he legitimately broke ribs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So and he did legitimately yes. break a rib in this <laughs> yes. match. We're yes. trying to pinpoint when it happened. I, who knows? We think it might have been when he was delivering offense. Yeah, that's very possible. Yeah. Maybe with the punch because yeah. he put a lot into that punch on Foley <laughs> yeah. coming off the ropes. Um, yeah. Foley yeah. gets a, a, a second to get a receipt, but there's, it's nowhere near. No, us. there's no receipt. <laughs> not, no, not to Stu. Not Stu to was do. totally just well, you know, and he's 68 years old, so it's going to be hard to for a lot of fans to buy mm-hmm. that he's an actual legit wrestler anymore. So, he, you know, his mindset was, yeah, I got to hit you hard. I'm going to really punch you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not going to be a work punch, and I'm going <laughs> to really knee you in the face. Yeah, uh, so so that's it for what we had for the footage. Uh, yeah. Goldie, from here, would go on... Um, how long? How much How much longer would he stay in uh, Stampede? Not too long. I think he was gone by the end of January 84. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, it was another one of his uh, I'm gone sort of things. Um, he went back to the South. He never, yeah, he never returned to uh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. He was never back for the, the return, the comeback in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Never, not one appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Settled in uh, the Knoxville area and became a prison guard eventually. Yeah, I see that. Retired prison guard. Prison yep. guard. Uh, this is from uh, McCoy's book here. Mm-hmm. 
said delights delights in biking up. This is kind of just the last little coda he had for right. Boldy's section. Uh, retired prison guard in his late sixties. Delights in biking up to a hundred miles a week near his Knoxville, Tennessee home, hauling his grandchildren in a baby, baby carriage behind him. Yeah. Uh, so I assume that they just you know kind of lived a from all accounts just a quiet life. Yep. Uh, in his later years out there. Um, yep. Yeah, and there's uh, legendary stories of him as a prison guard, like where you know prisoners tried to challenge him, and really? he just he's like slowly took off his tie or whatever that and rolled up his sleeves and, yeah, and it was like great. you know you didn't even have to fight him but wow. it scared the shit yeah. out of the prisoner that's really cool yeah um he came back like i said earlier every once in a while in his 60s especially for um smoky mountain which was jim Cornette's territory in the 90s okay um and Cornette, you know loved him as a kid so he always brought um stomper in to work it was his still you know bloody brawls when mm-hmm. he was in his early 60s <laughs> um but yeah so it's, it's like riding a bike right it's yeah like riding a bike and your bread and butter and all oh. these other metaphors you can use yeah <laughs> that's what what got him where where he was so oh yeah no i mean a career into your six still wrestling in your 60s wasn't unusual for people that you know came up in that era yeah um they would keep coming back you know for shots and their names were still valuable mm-hmm. um you know especially smoky mountain was a territory that was trying to reap capture the territory days of the or the glory days of the 70s and recapture that fan like because a lot of people left a lot of people did not want um firstly wwf and sports entertainment they also didn't want wcw which had become the you know super promotion of the south but had really strayed from their uh, hardcore you know serious southern roots by the 90s and were basically a poor man's wwf in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um yeah an amazing uh, individual, yeah. amazing story. Yeah, it's really cool looking at him, um, just looking at his work. Uh, it makes me want to look up as much more as I can find, even with the stuff not at Stampede. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just an imposing presence, uh, mm-hmm. really great character work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a guy who legitimately loved the business, mm-hmm. you know, from the start to the point that he was getting legitimately pissed off and had to insert himself into the... Uh, the the action that's right. uh, that's quite the quite the origin story if nothing else. yeah and, it uh, is uh, that's yeah exactly what an origin story yeah. and then the, the the you know the unique aspect of having two different characters simultaneously basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a modern day ricochet prince Poo. <laughs> yeah if I, put exactly. over, if I can quickly put over my other uh, podcast we yeah. just recorded our uh, uh, yes our final episode of the season lucha afterground mm-hmm. uh, check it out because we do have some year-end uh awards uh yeah. i think it's worth uh worth looking at oh definitely i enjoyed it immensely it <laughs> thanks great. thanks kelly uh i do feel like uh we are kind of wrapping things up here yeah we've uh we've given our tribute to uh archie is there anything else uh, you want to talk about you you're uh you're at the garden series continues that yes. just dropped recently as well yeah i just dropped the second part of my look at bruno at uh, madison square garden at the garden um basically covering like the late 60s early 70s which was a for wwf for vince mcgann senior was actually a rough period for the territory in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um and bruno soldiered on through the whole time as the champion um and two more parts uh coming for that for Mm -hmm. bruno to give justice to his whole uh, career at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, he also knew Mystery Titans just dropped as well. Yeah, yes. to watch, But it, the, the, the card sounds incredible. Uh, yes. A little soggy, but but incredible. Yeah, the Puerto Rico show, the WWF Puerto Rico show from 1985. Uh, check it out, Mystery Titans Theater on YouTube. Um, yeah, I've got, you know, way too many things going on. <laughs> no. I won't, I'll stop it right no, there. Not enough, not enough in but, my mind. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
so yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Keep up the feedback. If there are any st- particular Stampede Wrestling memories you might have out there or just... Uh, you know, general formatting or mm-hmm. general critiques, let us know either yeah. uh, on uh, our Twitter. Um, uh, you can reach me at, at Lucha After Grind. It's Lucha underscore after G R N D. Um, you can reach Kelly at MSG. Uh, yes. What is at it? MSG 1880. I've hardly ever given out my Twitter handle. Yeah, well, there it is. Uh, or on the PW uh, boards. Yes. Um, ProWrestlingOnly.com. Yeah, definitely recommend looking up the footage we saw and mm-hmm. uh, and reading that bio, even though we did, uh, you know, uh, kind of go from it. But but it yeah. is great, as always. Uh, yeah, Meltzer's, yeah. Meltzer's stuff is always really good. Oh, for uh, sure. You mentioned Bruce Hart's book. Is that... Mm-hmm. I, should I... I? I think if you could get a cheap copy, yeah. it would be worth it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when it came out, it wasn't... I don't remember too much positive mm-hmm. uh, reviews or anything mm-hmm. so about it um but it did you know it has insights into the era because mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, as does brett's uh, uh oh of well, course famously, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you want to hear a guy just really <sighs> explain the legend of of varchie goldie mm-hmm. uh, then that's uh, that's the place to go yeah yeah uh, i think next time uh we'll maybe look at uh well no we want to do some spotlights yeah yeah we want to look yeah. at spotlights from some other uh, the 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 big towns yeah. who deserve it before we yeah. get into the the network footage mm-hmm. and uh in the 80s footage that we really fell in love with yeah. and eventually the anniversary show because like it yeah. looks like there's a lot of that out there yeah and it yeah. sounds really interesting we're gonna have a potpourri of stuff from the decades it's kind of a thing you have to piece together um, as a, just like as, it's clipped just yeah, like uh, just exactly. like in honor of the territory so we're clipping we're, everything we're, we're pasting together these episodes but uh yeah the next time i think we'll look at some of the guys like um sweet daddy Siki, um abdul the butcher uh, dynamite kid bad news allen Sky High Lee from the 50s, like mm-hmm. some of the big names, and uh, shed a little light on them. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the plan. All right. Great. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Stampede Wrestling. Bye-bye now. Tonight at 8 on the Comedy Mill, Sydney looks for a job on the series 60-something. And Morag sings All Grown Up next year. Then at 8.30, the Edmonton Eskimos try to establish a CFL record for most wins of the season as they take on the Lions at BC Place. Tonight, here on Channels 2 and 7. Last week uh, in Nashville, Bob Dylan, one of the top writers, uh, well, I don't have to tell you who Bob Dylan is, the greatest writer of our time, was at our house in he and I sat down and wrote a song together. And let me see if I can find that damn thing. I'll sing it for you. Yeah, here it is. It's called Wanted Man. Do you know the introduction, Bob? Okay.
Bobby Watson, haunted man by Teeny Brown, haunted man by Nellie Johnson, haunted man in this text town. But I've had all that I wanted of a lot of things I had, and a lot more than I needed of something that turned out bad. Get myself a map Went the wrong way into Juarez With one need on my lap Then I went to <laughs> Then I went to sleep in Shreveport Woke up in Abilene Wondering why the hell I'm wanted At some town halfway between Wanted man in Albuquerque Wanted man in Man in Baton Rouge, there's somebody set to grab me anywhere that I might be, and wherever you might look tonight, you might get a glimpse of me. Wanted man in California, wanted man in Buffalo, 